0: This week we are moving on in the series and we're going to be in Luke chapter 15. And uh, before we get into Luke 15, I uh, wanted to give some, some, some preface before we dove into the story that we're going to be looking at. It's a lot about, it's about being lost. Uh, we're going to look at Jesus tells two small parables about things that are lost. And I was trying to think of like a time in my life where I got lost, but it was also funny. And then I was like, ah, I can't make one up. So then I was like, okay, what lost, lost, something will come to me. I went to the TV show Lost. That's not it. No one's seen Lost. Um, and so uh, I, then I was thinking and I went down a YouTube rabbit hole and I came across this clip that I feel like shows kind of um, our confusion uh, when we are lost, but in a great way. So let's watch that clip right now. Proceed straight. Well, we're 0 for 6. Last chance is the Elmhurst Country Club, other side of the lake on the southeast side. I don't get it. I really don't get it. I thought this would work. Through everything I had at that guy, nothing. That's how it goes sometimes, you know? You lose everything, and everything falls apart, and and eventually you die, and no one remembers you. That is a very good point, Dwight. Make a right turn. Wait, 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 no, 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 no. It means bear right. No, up there. it said right. It said take a right. No, 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 look. It, it means go up to the right, bare right, over the bridge, and hook up with 307. Make a right Maybe it's turn. a shortcut, Dwight. It said go to the right. It can't mean that. There's look, a lake right, there. I think it knows straight. where it is going. the machine This is the, the, lake. Knows. This is the lake. Stop yelling at me! No! Stop it's yelling! Man, there's no room! Here! Remain calm. I have trained for this. Okay. Exit the window! Make a U turn, if possible. Look out for nature, Michael. All right. So, um, what we saw there is someone didn't know where they were going. They were relying on the GPS. There, Michael Scott told him to turn right. I told him to turn right. It doesn't matter. If there's a lake there. You gotta listen to the GPS. And um, that was one of three clips I sent to Luke. And that was the one that he okayed to to show here. So that's why we landed on that one. But I was really, I'd give you an FCC shout out there, Luke. He wanted me to do that. Um, But what we're going to find in our two parables tonight about uh, being lost is that similarly to Michael Scott there, when we're lost and we listen to the wrong thing, when we rely on the wrong thing, we also end up in places we don't want to be. For him, it was the lake. For us, it could be a great number of different things. And in Luke chapter 15, we're actually going to be in this chapter of the Gospel of Luke for the next couple of weeks. Uh, next week, Brett is going to talk on um, the parable of the two sons. And uh, Alana is going to close out our last SM night before Easter. And then we'll take a break after Easter. Um, but we'll all be in Luke chapter 15. And so, what I wanted to do tonight is kind of set up the context. What, uh, of this chapter that we're going to be in for the next couple weeks and then we'll dive into the parables that he tells. Sound good? Yeah? All right thanks just making sure you're awake there. So Luke chapter 15 uh, begins when Lu- uh, Luke chapter 14 ends and Luke chapter 14 ends with this verse right here. He said Jesus is telling a-, a story and he says he who has ears to hear let him hear and Immediately the next verse, the first verse in chapter 15, now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. So we're meeting our first group of people that Jesus is interacting with, the tax collectors and the sinners. And he, Jesus literally just said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And so what do these people do? They have ears and they're like, okay, let's move in, let's get closer so we can hear what Jesus Is saying, but there's another group of people who are here with them, and they are the Pharisees and the scribes. And it says that they grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. Because at this time, uh, religious leaders were not people who went to help the unfortunate. They were not people who got around those who were considered unclean, like tax collectors, like known sinners. They were people who stayed away because they were better. ...than those people, right? The Pharisees and the scribes were better than the tax collectors and the sinners. They, they didn't want to be closer to them. But Jesus is calling the tax collectors and the sinners to draw near. And their response here is to grumble. Is to be like, who is this guy Jesus? Almost, sorry. Uh, and so Jesus, in response to them grumbling, these religious leaders who are supposed to be the people that, that can help other people to be uh, people that you can look up to in the community. Jesus' response to them is to tell them uh, the two parables we're going to look at tonight that are short and then the longer parable that we'll look at next week. And so that's what Luke threw up there. And uh, the first section of the parable, this is the first parable. Uh, and it says, Luke 15, 3 through 7. So he told them this parable. What man of you having a hundred sheep if he has, not, if he has lost one of them? Does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home he calls together his friends and his neighbors saying to them rejoice with me. For I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people. ...who need no repentance. And so when we read this parable... ...we're uh, I'm thinking that we're probably going to Reckless Love, right? That's the song that you're like, ah oh, yeah, it leaves the 99. I've heard that, I've at least recognized that phrase. And then immediately Jesus follows us up with a second, shorter parable. Or what woman having ten silver coins... ...if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp... ...sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it... And when she has found it she calls together her friends and neighbors saying rejoice with me for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So from this story we learn three things about Jesus. Uh, From these two parables we're going to learn three things about Jesus that will help ultimately set up the bigger parable that he tells... uh, in the following verses that we'll get to in the next two weeks. And the first thing we learn is that Jesus seeks us, right? A parable is, that'll come up there in a second, I promise. Uh, The parable is a story that is supposed to be told to help show, to help teach something. At some point, there's going to be a slide that comes up. And there it is. And so, uh, in this story, Jesus is, is using the lost sheep and the lost coin to, to illustrate something and in the parable there's, you know, every, we got it, it's allegory. We're representing different things with different people. And so in this, in the first uh, story, the lost sheep, um, in, the, in fourth, the fourth verse, what man of you having a hundred sheep if he has not lost them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost. Leaves the ninety-nine to go out to seek after the lost Sheep or about the coin does not light a lamp and sweep the house to seek diligently until you find the coin. What Jesus is showing here is that He seeks us, and the key word here is lost, is repeated five times throughout these 10 verses. And as we've learned each and every week, repetition is important. That means, uh, that in this time, right, you wouldn't be reading this parable you'd be listening to someone read it aloud. And so to repeat is to underline... is to bold is to make it very clear to those listening... that it is important that you should pick up on this. And Jesus isn't just coming out of nowhere with this lost sheep metaphor. A lot of these people would have been shepherds. A lot of these people would have been very knowledgeable in the Old Testament. And so they might have clued into Isaiah 53. All we like sheep have gone astray. They would have been connecting some dots there. And I think... God seeking after us as as humanity, as creation... ...goes all the way back to the beginning in Genesis. In the Garden of Eden when sin enters the world. Adam and Eve hide. God walks into the garden and seeks them out. And in verses 8 and 9 there, he's literally walking and says... ...where are you? He's looking for them. He is seeking us out. He's seeking. He's calling us in, right? Remember at the very beginning... In the first couple of verses in the setup, the Pharisees and the scribes were upset. They grumbled that the tax collectors and sinners were drawing near to Jesus. That Jesus had said something that brought them in. That Jesus was seeking them out because that was not how things were supposed to work. But that is how Jesus works. So we learn that Jesus seeks after us. The second thing we learn is that Jesus saves us. Right? It is not just that Jesus goes out in those parables to seek uh, you're not just seeking after the lost sheep. Not just seeking after the lost coin. But that is actually recovered. It is saved. Can you go to the one with the highlighted? And when he had found it. It's not just seeking for the lost sheep. It doesn't stop until that sheep is found. Or the woman looking for her, ten, for her lost coin. She sweeps the house and seeks diligently until she finds it. Find is the key word there. Jesus returns the sheep back to the flock. The coin that was once won in the coin purse with the ten coins it had been lost is returned to the other coins as well. Later in the uh, Gospel of Luke in chapter 19 Jesus says the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. That sentiment is seen, uh, it's stated clearly there in 19 but we see it in the parable he's telling here in chapter Fifteen, And he doesn't stop seeking no matter how long, no matter how far away you might think you are. He does not stop seeking a lost person. Not until they have been saved. So Jesus seeks us. Jesus saves us. And then Jesus celebrates with us upon our return. The key word there rejoice, joy is used four times. And in the end of each story, right... There's a community aspect of it. The man, the shepherd gets back and he calls together his friends and his neighbors saying to them rejoice with me for I have found the sheep that was lost. The woman calls together her friends and neighbors and says rejoice with me for I have found the coin that I had lost. There is a rejoicement, a joy in this. And then Jesus adds this line at the end of each parable. In the first parable about the sheep he says just so I tell you There will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who needs no repentance. And then after the lost coin, just so I tell you there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And so this, reading these two endings to these two short parables, it made me ask the question, why does heaven rejoice Right? If the parable obviously like the people who find the coin, the woman who finds the coin, she's excited she found her lost coin. The shepherd who lost his sheep, he's excited he found his lost sheep. So why is heaven rejoicing here? And it's because Jesus has saved that which he infinitely loves us. In Genesis 1 in the creation story we read in verse 27 that we were created in his image. We were purposefully created by our creator the same creator who seeks you out specifically. Saves us specifically and celebrates that return specifically. That is why heaven rejoices because each and every one of us is so special. is so uh, unique and was created in God's image by God himself. So that's why heaven rejoices. But when does heaven rejoice is the another question that I had here. And we see that in verses 7 and 10 at the end of each of those. Can you go back to that slide that had the end verses? Yep. And so there will be joy in heaven over one sinner who repents. There will be joy for the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And so now we need to know what that word means. And I think a lot of us on instinct we hear the word repent and it kind of It hits me like the guys who you always see... ...who are walking around like the sidewalk preachers... ...and they're yelling at everybody like fire and brimstone... ...like if you don't change your ways repent or go to hell... ...like those intense people that you kind of try to avoid... ...when you're in big cities or whatever. That's the the imagery that comes to my mind when I hear the word repent. And that is just so much more intense and in your face than it needs to be. To repent means to change the mind... Or in another way to turn fully around. So to repent would be if you're moving in this direction. Repenting of this decision to move this way would mean you turn 180 degrees. And go back the other way. And heaven rejoices when we repent. And just like there is no distance or amount of lostness you could achieve. Where Jesus would stop seeking you. Would not stop seeking you until he saves. No one is too far from Jesus for repentance. Too far from God's grace. Jesus died on that cross for you to show that God's love for you, for me, for all of us is limitless. This series is Jesus the forgiver. And each week I feel like we've tried to work in that the ultimate act of Jesus as forgiver was on that cross. We're moving towards Easter and, and what ultimately that act accomplished for each and every one of us. Jesus saves uh, Jesus seeks us, he saves us, and he celebrates with us. But ultimately, he does those things because he forgave us. And so tonight, when we get into small groups, there's a question that I've, I've kind of been working with this week. Uh, in the last couple weeks, actually. And, and the question is, do you have a place in your life where you need to repent? Or, to not be, to conjure those images of the street preacher, preacher yelling at you. To turn fully back around towards Jesus. Back towards Jesus. Jesus, who seeks us, who saves us, who celebrates with us, and when we turn back towards Jesus, I think I think that we are just better. We are a more loving people. We are a more giving people. A more encouraging people. A more forgiving people. Right? That very first week in Lent, we talked. I talked about the idea of. Um, Of postures. I've I've blanked on the word there. We talked about postures and we talked about the idea that our posture reflects God's posture towards us. Right, Our posture towards others reflects God's posture towards us. And it works the other way as well. And I think we we gain those postures more easily when we turn back fully towards God. Each week we've been talking about a different aspect of Jesus. The forgiver. Max last week spoke or two weeks ago spoke about how we forgive because Jesus forgave. And and if it sounds like I'm repeating myself, it's because that is so important that we not just under, that we not just know that fact, but that we believe it, that we understand it, that we let that be a core part of who we are in Christ because it means so much. Jesus died on the cross so that no matter what you've done, no matter how far you think you are lost, no matter how we feel that we cannot be sought after saved and celebrated upon that saving he will seek us he will save us and he will celebrate with us all because he forgave us by dying on the cross and I, I think it's telling that Jesus tells us about all of this stuff in a in a parable in a story uh, because I think that is showing us another thing and, I, and that thing is something I want us to think about And it's going to say challenge when it comes up on the screen. But don't take it as like an intense thing that you're immediately going to shy away from. I I think that if we not even telling it to someone but practice and like think about if you were ever asked about your parable, the parable of you, uh, your story. What would you have to say as you, as Jesus tells parables to kind of reflect and share about the nature of him, about the Christian faith, about Jesus himself... What would, what would we say about our role in all of that if we had to tell a parable? If we had to tell our story? It is a great, it's great to step back towards Jesus to share with others how he has worked in our lives. And that's not something that I'm like, prove to me you did, told three people your parable. It's just something I want us to start thinking about. If we were asked, would we have an answer? Would we have a story to tell about how Jesus sought us? about how he saves us, about how he celebrates our return with us. So we're going to talk about that more tonight in small groups. I'm going to pray for us and then we'll head out. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this group in this room right now. Thank you so much for your word that we can learn so much about you and your nature and how much you mean to our lives or should mean to our lives. God, during this season of Lent... Uh, The idea, we've been focusing on the idea of forgiveness and as we work towards the celebration Easter of your ultimate act of forgiveness for us. God, let it be in our hearts each and every day, each and every moment. Can we consider, can we ponder just how important that act of forgiveness was in our lives? God, Jesus, we thank you for seeking us, for saving us and for celebrating with us. We love you. We thank you and all God's people said, Amen.